Desperate Times is a podcast following Robbie Lambie, the founder of Cairn Gorm Coffee in Edinburgh, as he attempts to save his business amidst the coronavirus pandemic. With both of his coffee shops closed due to the lockdown, he enlists the help of two of his best friends to discover ideas to maintain turnover. He should have asked me, really. I'm the best businessman in the United States, believe me. Anyway, in this episode, Robbie, Andrew, and Will will discuss Instagram and set some goals for the future of the podcast. They also catch up with the founders of vegan fashion retailer, Train, to learn their secrets for success. Will they find a solution to keep business booming? I guess you'll have to keep listening to find out. But beware. It's all fake news, if you ask me. Thank you for listening. With your help, we can make Cairngorm coffee great again in these desperate times. <laughs> Welcome back to Desperate Times, the podcast that brings together three of Edinburgh's most prolifically desperate men to discuss a topic that they know little about. That is, of course, how to save a business during the coronavirus pandemic. And that business is, of course, Cairngorm Coffee, which has been serving the good stuff to the good people since 2014. Sadly, our doors are still closed, but I have invited two of my best chums to help me get back on a level keel. I am Robbie Lambie, the founder of Cairngorm. I'm 31. I love serial killer documentaries, and I can play the guitar like a ring and a bell. Are we agreed on that, boys? Uh, yeah, I think you like serial killer documentaries. Don't know about the other stuff, but yeah, sure. What about the Ring of a Bell guitar? Chuck Berry, yeah, uh, well, you can ring a bell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to say, I think the future of Caringham Coffee is looking like it's in very good hands with the three of us. Um, so welcome back, Andrew and Will. Thanks for joining me once again. How are you both doing? Oh, very well, very well. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, very well. Have you, have you had a good week? Nothing happening, but yeah, um, still alive. Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad, you know, lockdown and all. <laughs> That's it, hashtag lockdown. No, no, no sign of the virus knocking the, knocking the door? No? Uh, touch wood, no. Touch big forehead, that. <laughs> yeah, a couple of big, big heads here, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's, let's, let us quickly um, just go into a bit more depth into how we know each other. So... We, we couldn't really chat too much about ourselves last week as, you know, I was desperate to to get into uh, the, the AS Cobb um, line of, of uh, interview. And I thought it'd be good to discuss now a bit about how long we've known each other. So how long do you think we have known each other? Have you guys worked it out? How old were we? Like 10 or something? 9, 10? Uh, when I met Guild, I was just only 9. Right. When I, yeah. when I met Robbie, you were, you, you, were, you were a year later, Rob, I'm afraid. So I was turning 10. Yeah, me and me and Will go way back, way back. <laughs> I can't tell you about the stuff back there. Oh. Uh, oldest of friends, me and Will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what What were your first impressions of uh, of Gil then, Will, when you met him when he was ten? Oh, sorry, nine. Uh, well, he was pretending to be uh, what was it like a like a wrestler baby. Oh yeah, a wrestler baby. I think I, I think the name was the name up. <laughs> Yeah, man. And uh, when a posh uh, English man walks in, you, you don't want to mess with baby rough. So I, I was like, oh, it's like, okay, man. <laughs> I'll let you come. I'll let you, I'll let you come talk to me when you're ready. 
And eventually, eventually he uh, realised I wasn't such a dick and uh, came over and talked to me. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I, thought, I met him a year later, which uh, maybe he had grown up quite fast, but I just, I remember Gil looking like an old man when I was like 10. Yeah, well, he was uh, prematurely, hairily grown. Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. But... Hairily grown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I was. I, I mean, I, well, I, I think, think I was when I was nine. So, I mean, I think Matron Mora. I think Matron Mora would okay. uh, disagree. <laughs> uh, it's actually uh, Matron Maureen. Actually, oh, Maureen. Maureen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Will, you also had you, you also had quite a lot of that on your your head. I remember quite a, a severe afro. No, I don't remember that. Do you have proof? I probably could find proof. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want me yeah, to, no, to make a I know, podcast I, Instagram and start posting it? Montage of Afros. Yeah, why not? Why not? I do remember when uh, I first saw Robbie, because uh, I was in a car share with his sister, and uh, Sheila, his mother, came to pick us up, and Robbie was reading the Beano <laughs> in the front seat. So how good was the Beano? Yeah, done the institution, the Beano. I just remember your mum being like, uh, say hello to Will, because uh, you were just joining the uh, school run, and you were like, hi, and that was it. <laughs> Sounds like Robbie when he, when he was that age, to be fair. <laughs> Hi. So let, let's talk quickly about um, one of my favourite parts of our relationship, which is, of course, that we started a band when we were maybe about 11. Um, what did you guys remember from those times? It was, it was awesome. It was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Not not really too sure. That's a lot of stuff you probably can't say on here. Uh, probably not good for business. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah there were some good times. There were some good times. UK tour was definitely the the highlight. I've got to say, Thurzo, what a place! That was the best. That was loose. Loved it. Whoop! Shout out to Thurzo. I I just all I can remember is is Will singing. I just so you find it absolutely hilarious. You know when he was like, "Ooh, you left with the grill." <laughs> so funny. That's you. No, that was you. That's you. That was you. You live with a. Yeah. That was that, you were the singer. It was really funny. We're actually going to splice in some um, some snippets of the the music. It's pretty handy, having some original um, back catalogue to work off of you singing. So. Um, or remind the fans as well. Remind the fans. Will. What we used to do. We might actually make a comeback off the back of this. In fairness. Ooh, you live Um, anyway, I have a deep question for you guys. Oh God. But first, for some context, Guild, it has to be said, I think you're a bit like Chandler Bing. I feel like I should know exactly what you do, but you know, you've explained it quite a few times, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I don't know if anyone's getting that reference, but no one really knows what Chandler does. So perhaps you could explain again for the benefit of the listeners what it is you do. Yeah, cool. In a nutshell, um, I'll try and keep it in a, a small nutshell. You're allergic to nuts. I am allergic to nuts, actually. Yeah, good point. Good keep point. it in a uh, um, keep it in a avocado shell. Avocado shell. Skin. Nice skin. Yeah, yeah. It's not shell. Yeah, or an egg shell. Egg shell. There you go. Because Will can't. Will, Will can't have eggs. Oh uh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, to keep it in a in a in a pistachio nutshell. Well, it's still not. So back to square one. Like, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief. That's, that's what I'll do. Some, keep some, it in a turtle shell. Keep it in a turtle keep shell. Keep it in a turtle shell. Okay, that, that's good. <laughs> right, keep it in a, a baby turtle shell. Um, yeah, basically, I co-own <laughs> I co-own and run a product development company. And all I do is I help businesses and entrepreneurs get new products to market. So 
um, if someone's got a good idea, um, they come to me or my business and we help them get that idea to market. So it's as straightforward as that, but there's a lot of steps that happen in between. And it's all quite exciting. Deal with all sorts of different industries and yeah, it's been a real education for the last sort of three and a half, four years. And you're you're no stranger to social media because you you have a marketing manager involved, I think. Um you do vi- videos, which um, which I've been really imp- yeah. like gen- genuinely impressed by. The reason why we started doing them was to test lots of different types of content. Um, you know, so we wanted to see what was engaging well, what wasn't, um, and video wasn't really something that we had uh, pushed a lot of before we brought on a marketing manager, and she's been absolutely terrific. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a natural in front of the camera. I wouldn't say I terribly enjoy it um, just because I feel a little bit awkward. Um, but uh, it's been a good exercise. And I think, you know, as we've been going through the process, it's been easier to to refine that process, make it a bit easier um, rather than just kind of freestyling a lot, which is what I was doing in the early stages. But yeah, it's been really good for engagement. Um, we've managed to recycle them quite a lot. So, you know, to sort of keep getting new engagement with them. So, yeah, it's been a good exercise. But, yeah, there's no secret when it comes to social media, video engages really well. So um, I see you've been doing a few years for yourself for Karen Gorman. They look amazing, awesome. Oh, I don't know about amazing, but, um, yeah, generally, yeah, the engagement has been has been impressive. I think people recognise, like, a bit of effort i suppose I, th- I think like a lot of social media now is quite throwaway when someone sees oh they've actually put some you know time or effort into into post a post or you know in this case a kind of video i think it does have some value which is you know maybe um gets a bit more attention which is good um cool so will um you're currently i believe furloughed as a result of pandemic um, you work in a new gym on Leith Walk, not far from our roastery. It's got to be said, it's one swish-looking space. Um, what does a day in your life look like, and how much of an impact does coffee have on that? A lot of coffee, like a lot. I drink probably three times the amount of coffee when I'm at work, when I'm not just keeping me awake the hours. I'm up at, uh, well, having a newborn, I'm pretty much up anyway, but uh, having a newborn and going to work, I'm up at half four in the morning. People are still nervous to come to the gym, um, but we're offering one-on-one socially distanced uh, programs. So most of my time is spent doing that because I'm not allowed to take classes at the minute. Um, So literally a program is 45 minutes with one of us trainers, setting out a program you can do at home um, and then we give you info how to log on online and do it. Um, Apart from that, it's literally just that because people are still quite wary to come back into the gyms, which is understandable. So so that's interesting because what you're doing, I guess, as part of that is building more of an online presence and getting more engagement with with people at home and customers. You know, that's essentially what we're wanting to do more as a business ourselves. It's definitely more because uh, we're having to film videos every day, daily videos, uh, giving exercises, obviously only to members and they've got their passwords and whatever, so they can log in and see it. Um, we're also doing online classes, which is quite embarrassing because it's us literally standing there doing it with no one in the room. <laughs> but uh, they can log in and do it live uh, with you. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird situation. Um, so 
going back to our deep question, which was about 20 minutes ago, <laughs> um, without depressing you both too much and um, without potentially getting you sacked, um, I'm intrigued to know, is, is what you're doing now professionally what you expected you'd be doing 10 years ago? Let's start with you, Will. No. You no, 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 definitely not. And but it's interesting because people change. You know? Yeah, I know. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed doing what I've been doing. It's definitely 100% helped me over the last couple of years, without a doubt. Um, I don't regret doing it. Uh, and I will leave it at that. <laughs> Very nice. Andrew? No, I didn't expect to be doing this. I mean, I wouldn't even know what the hell this job is uh, 10 years ago. But um, no, I just I, I changed the industry entirely four years ago. I think it was three and a half, four years ago um, as a real challenge to myself. And um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good challenge for me because it's allowed me to see that I can apply my skills into any industry. Um, so... Yeah, I wouldn't be scared taking on new challenges in the future. And um, I think it's given me more of a confidence professionally. But yeah, I really enjoy what I'm doing anyway. And um, yeah, engaging with lots of new industries and learning all the time every week's different. You know, I think I find that um, really interesting. But yeah, I never expected to be doing this. Um, never at all. But uh, it's funny how life kind of turns out. I thought you'd be a porn star as well. <laughs> well... Yeah, Matron sure Mooring thought that as well, to be honest. But uh, you know. I, I, I'm asking that because you know I genuinely thought that I was going to be in a famous band ten years ago. Oh no, I did as well. Oh yeah, that, that was that was. <laughs> well, uh, we were. We? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, ten years. Ten years is is a ten years is a short time, isn't it? But um, did did you ever think that you know insert band name here? Would you ever think we were going to be in, famous band i remember saying i remember saying to my sister's awkward ex-husband uh if i'm not famous in a band by the time in 22 i'll buy you a bottle of champagne (laughs) did you buy it and did you no no well they were divorced by then anyway so it didn't really matter So right, let's let's get right into it. Last week we set ourselves a target uh, of aiming for fifteen thousand followers on Instagram, which is almost double what we had. So each week, the challenge is that we'll come up with a different way of reaching this goal and aim to execute that during the week before the next podcast. So the most important question, I think now is has anyone got any ideas on how we might boost Karen Club Coffee's followers? Guild with this guild with this top off. Guild with this top off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. I mean, there, there's some financial ways we could do this, but um, you know, they could have a big impact. You know, such as ads and paying bots, which I'm, I'm not against doing, and I think we should maybe do further down the line. But maybe we could set our sights on something free first of all that's a bit more obtainable. Uh, that's actually really hard. Uh, what, what about like something really simple, like? so me liking profiles so for example if each day of the next week i set myself a challenge of liking profiles like liking 50 profiles a day and liking the first two photos for example of each profile and you know almost like guilting them into checking our profile if you know what i mean yeah i mean it's, it's a tactic uh, to be honest we've we've used before 
didn't feel great about it <laughs> because uh <laughs> because yeah obviously you were doing it for a reason but yeah i mean in all honesty it did it did actually work um so yeah it's a good free option it's kind of like guilt guilt exposure if i can coin that as a phrase like yeah you're yeah. kind of you're guilting people into like seeing you and liking you I guess, yeah because you like them so. these like just any random profiles or like business profiles people well i don't know like it well, we could decide that now definitely definitely what i mean what about like finding communities within even i mean it doesn't have to even be local but just even you know your sector food and drink tapping into that i mean i'm looking and i'm on instagram just now just typed in food and drink there's food and drink uk there's even things that are like specific to certain areas like york food and drink festival that's in york well, that's it. You want you want things that are all over the UK. You can deliver anywhere. So, but I mean, if you can tap into them, they like their product. Maybe send them some samples, and then they'll they'll uh, reach out to their whole network, and that would that would boost your following. If they've got six thousand followers, then that's a good boost. All right, let's do it. Okay, that that seems like we we found we found an end goal there. I like that. So we're we're going to use food and drink on Instagram, we're going to like the first 50 pages that come up, um, mess, like the first two pictures and then message them just to say, Hey, um, love your feed. Um, and yeah, we'll take it from there. Um, it'd be good for me just to make a point of saying we now have 8,895 followers at the point of episode one. Um, so let's see how that kind of, um, develops. So I asked you guys to prepare some examples of businesses that you think are doing really well with their online visibility and socials. So um, what have you got for me? Uh, should we start with Guild? Guild, have you got any examples that you think are you know, impressive? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'd say one brand I've been impressed with that's uh, it's a British brand as well. Which quite like um, is uh, Castor, the sports, the sports brand. Um, so basically, just a company that was just um, founded by two guys in Liverpool, and they've been on a quest to create better sportswear um, for athletes and well, everyday athletes. And yeah, they've, they've been getting some pretty awesome names in there. Um, they've got. Uh, Andy Murray was probably their biggest name. Um, Gary Neville, Wendy's Cricket, Rangers Football Club, Joss Butler. Apart from having loads of celebrities endorsing them, what <clears throat> what is it about them that we could kind of piggyback on? What could we steal? Well, whilst we're on the topic of free stuff, I'm not too sure, but um, they seem to be really, really clever with their digital marketing. Um, and I think they focus a lot on quality. Um, which I thought was quite familiar with your own brand. You know, it feels like a quality sort of premium product. So um, I don't know if, you know, it's possible to maybe dive into more of the sort of messages there, whether it's, you know, they, they, they're not so direct, I suppose, with their descriptive text. It's more sort of inspirational stuff. And I don't know if you could maybe apply some of that kind of inspirational text to Karen Gorham. Yeah, I mean, talking of text, I have just um, 
use them as an example of our earlier kind of um, target or challenge. I've liked them. I've liked the first two pictures and I've sent them a DM saying, love your work and then a smiley face. So have you thought about, have you thought about like hitting the holiday or they've done like Christmas stuff before, like Valentine's Day, Easter coming up, like you could do a, I yeah. know, a just looking at a company here called the Bottle Club who are now doing a Valentine's Day promotional thing, their alcohol. Um, okay, well, so let's move on to, the, this is your your um, suggestion. Yeah, sorry yeah. to cut you off. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Gav. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I was, I'd be, I, what was this called? The Bottle Club? Yeah, I've looked at this company before. Uh, they do just like pretty much from cans of martinis to champagne. But they've got like a Valentine's Day promotion on and they had a Christmas promotion on before. Maybe you could do, I don't know, like a like a Valentine's, I don't know, offer or... Well, I, lo- I like where you're thinking. I'm thinking we're going to do, let's do a Valentine's Day card with some cool artwork along the lines of our other bags. So maybe we could do like a special. So, you know, basically anyone who's buying for Valentine's Day, you get a special deal, for example. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so my example is actually a brand that I know quite a lot about. It's part owned by someone that you guys actually both know as well. And I'm going to give you some clues to see if you can guess who it is. So they sell, this is the first clue, I guess. Lucas. No. He, he just works in cryptocurrency. I don't think he sells anything apart from Bitcoin. Anyway, um, <laughs> but back to the first clue which is they sell the kind of clothes that you will would eat sell the kind of clothes that he would eat okay so i've piqued your interest the second clue the co-owner used to be a neighbor of mine no got a clue okay still not got it uh, okay clue three you both actually went to school with him james duffield i'm afraid not someone who's got edible clothes well they don't have edible clothes that was just a kind of you know, I was thinking outside the box a bit. They sell vegan clothes. Uh, Harris Grant. Uh, Harris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. I've got Harris Grant at of Treen in Edinburgh. Um, so Treen is a vegan fashion retailer offering a selection of style must-haves from a carefully selected group of brands that make a positive difference. And I actually have them here on the line. So I'm going to have a quick chat. Hello and welcome to the show, Kat and Harris. Hi, thanks for having us. Not at all. Thank you guys so much for giving out some of your precious lockdown to join us on the podcast. <laughs> what is that? that? It wouldn't be lockdown without a podcast, would it? Very, very true. I mean, we're just turning into a bit of a cliche over here in lockdown. Um, I'm sure those listening in Edinburgh are already familiar with Treen um, and likely those from further afield too. But for those who aren't, perhaps Kat, you could just quickly introduce us to what it's all about. For sure. So Treen is, uh, well, we launched in 2019 after I struggled to changing my life to be more sustainable and leading a vegan lifestyle, I find it really difficult to build a wardrobe, like almost impossible. And just having all of these great brands in one place and particularly having like ACE customer experience and store experience and just having it all very streamlined. So yeah, Treen is a vegan fashion sustainable retailer that aims to bring positive impact fashion um, to the conscious shopper. So that's what we aim to do. We have a physical store 
Um, obviously currently closed, but still looking very beautiful. I was in there today. It was nice to say hi to the rails and stuff. And, uh, yeah, and we have um, an, a website. So day one, we launched everything at the same time. It was the whole point. It was totally on purpose, very full on, but would not have changed a single second of it. So 10 a.m. on June 1st, um, it was a go for website, physical, Instagram, social, all that stuff together. And it was the best way to do it, honestly, because, you know, someone I was in France in our first week and they're like, oh, hey, can you send me a video of you trying this on? Yeah, of course. Amazing. Let's talk. Wow. That absolutely terrifies me. I think um, in comparison, we tried to be super organic because I was scared of getting busy and, you know, having taking on too much. I, I think we've always been quite naive, probably, in that sort of sense. And I, I think you probably are as well. Like everyone probably is when they start a business. And it was massively a case for both of us. We just thought all that was doable. And then you're like, oh, God, this probably isn't doable. But we've committed to get it done. And you just, you, you do find a way to get it done. And I think, you know, you'll have similar experiences where you just end up getting stuff done somehow and you don't really realize how. But I think the biggest step is just, starting out to do it do you think you're a bit more successful then when you're just that little bit out of your comfort zone i think so i was gonna say just there like i think you kind of get a bit in a good way you get a bit addicted to like you thought you had a feeling of something was completely unachievable but you've said you're gonna do or you've set a launch date or like we've done this every time i'm like post it on instagram and we will do it tell people to come and we'll have to have it done yeah. And you you do find a way and like, we're completely fine, you know? Um, yes, it's like long nights and sometimes stressful, but I've never felt any stress that I did in previous jobs than I, what I have in treating. Like it's not, I don't associate it in the same way, if that makes sense. It's like, a, I don't know, it's a good stress. It means it's working and it means it's almost to a point of completion or result or launch or whatever. So I think you do get a bit like, addicted to it yeah that's really interesting um a a question i get asked quite a lot is if i started a business because i loved coffee but for me i think it was more that you know i just wanted to start a business itself for you guys i'm interested was the driver the product or were you more focused on just being business owners i think the driver kat and i always knew we wanted to set up a business so we Obviously, um, you know, people might not know the background, but we moved to China in Shanghai in 2013 and then Hong Kong um, later after that. And, you know, we both had very corporate jobs. Cap was in retail and I was kind of in finance. And it's always in the back of our mind, we, we kind of had this inkling that we want to set up a business. Um, and really that kind of hit home towards the end of 2017 into 2018 and you know we decided to move back to the UK and really the goal when we moved back to the UK was to set up a business mm-hmm. um, so you know the first six months when we were back here we were literally sitting with notepads and you know scribbling ideas down and just constantly <laughs> thinking of anything that could mm-hmm. possibly be a business and I think you know me and you've had these conversations as well like you just come up with random ideas and random ideas but I think with Kat what we kept coming back to was like she's amazing at retail she absolutely loves it she's really struggling to find the clothes she wants to buy so you know that was it, it still took us a wee while to piece that together mm. but once we had that it was like that is very very clear you know yeah. it was like that is the business I mean speaking of being addicted to you know setting yourself up for success um 
and and going towards goals like that obviously was us moving back from spending time in Asia and moving back with no work. I mean, that's the ultimate <laughs> timeline. Obviously, the clock is ticking. You have to find something to do. You have to find work to live. So, you know, figure it out. Um, danced around. I mean, the core idea was there really the whole time. And I think straight away from that quite a few times because it was so daunting so was thinking maybe we go down a different route of it's just styling and it's a service that you can kind of buy and work with and I become that person in Edinburgh and we sort of branch out and we see where it goes and maybe a store will present itself as the next step or I'll connect with brands this is an agency that we do and we represent these brands like all that other stuff came up the absolute first idea was Treen and I think it was just so overwhelming and so daunting. And how on earth do you even set that up? And I've said this quite a few times before, but literally, and I remember saying this to Harrison, he's like, well, you're going to have to find out how to set it up then. And I did the full Google search, looking through books, like trying to find out like, what is that? And there was like the same, very similar, like 10 to 15 steps. How do I set up a boutique slash business slash fashion retailer thing? Um, and I mean, obviously, obviously it starts with have a business plan, know the brands you want to work with. And I realized when we were going through this, I was like, I know the brands already. I can list them off the top of my head. Done. I know where we would want to be based. One of like two, three locations in Edinburgh. Done. I know what we would want to achieve. It's really just like piecing it together. And for anyone that's not met Harris before or like heard of her before, obviously my partner, um, boyfriend, whatever you want to call it. And the major driving force in being like, just do it. Just actually do it. Do what you're saying you're going to do kind of thing, which was help. Yeah, that's a great positive mindset. Um, there, there have been times at Cairngorm where certain decisions have been made and I can look back now and kind of think, wow, I was lucky I did this or you know, lucky I did that. I wonder if you guys feel the luck plays a part in business at all. I'm, I'm a massive, massive believer that the people who are the luckiest are the people who put in the most work. And, you know, you can disagree with that as much as you like, but none of us and probably nobody listening to this podcast knows anyone who's won the lottery. But, you know, people who have worked hard and got lucky because their business has grown. But they've worked hard and got lucky because they got promotion. You know, I, I just think it's a, luck is a terrible way of phrasing stuff. And it, it, it's an easy way out, essentially, of trying to qualify people's hard work, I think. I think it's because... Like, I, I totally agree with that too, but there's also an element of, um, you know, like manifestation, like, is, is that a thing? And I think if you believe something enough, it's kind of how you perceive what's happened. Like, if you believe you've manifested something to happen, obviously you're going to have to figure out how to get, how to manifest it, how to make it happen. Or is it like dreaming about something? Or is it, you know, I don't know, taking other actions in your life? Or it's, you know, but a lot of it, of course, it translates through, hard work and finding out the hard work is figuring out what those steps are right yeah yeah no absolutely on that point and manifesting your own luck the purpose of this podcast which i've explained to you previously is in essence for us to obtain more instagram followers what do you guys think are the things that you've done on that platform that have had the biggest impact for increasing your followers i mean our followers jetted forward in uh during the first lockdown it was and totally we have done everything completely 
organic. Um, like now we're looking in 2021, like how can we do things that are paid or working with certain individuals to obviously increase like jet growth forward and meet more people, a pool of people, a specific group of people quicker. But so far it's been super organic. So I'm really proud to say that. And I, I mean, honestly, we over, over, over analyze. We, so some parts of it are just, do you know what? Let's just do this today. So very, very natural, very like from us, from our core. Um, if something doesn't feel right on the day, it will not go up and we will spend an hour being like, what else should it be? Um, and I guess anyone could argue that that might be a waste of time, but it's like direct communication with your community that you've built. So I'm like, it needs the utmost respect and time and energy. Um, and I mean, it's all, people love to know what people are doing. They want to know what's happening and what's going on, like behind the scenes and what, how do you see things? So I think just, I mean, that's how we set up. That's the vision that we had for Trina in the beginning anyway. Um, I mean, other things that we do are, you know, we really do speak to every person that, yeah. that we speak to our community so often all day, every day. Um, never complaining about it. Absolutely love it. You know, show me the detail on that top. I saw this cool brand that I think you guys might like at Trine. Um, here's how I'm styling the top I bought from you when I met you in your opening week. Just keeping the, I think keeping the conversations going is really important. And I really feel, so when we're getting, you know, new followers from other places, it's, very exciting and it makes me think of the real like future future years to come of Treen when there are these people that we don't know but we found ways to connect with them um, that we feel like we are very much together and that we're speaking with as many people as possible so I just feel like any time spent on there and spent with our community is invaluable um, and you know, giveaways have been great as well that's a great way to meet people and really thinking about what that giveaway is I mean you saying you're sending coffee to this this guy and obviously that would make his day. Like he would love that. Um, and it's, it is the little things. So we did, we've done a couple of, of giveaways during lockdown and it just felt right. I mean, sucky time, not ideal. So why not write someone's day? I think what, what I'm most scared of with giveaways is that there's obviously a cost involved. At the moment I'm quantifying marks and costs in my head based on, well, if I give that guy a free bag of coffee and he posts about it on his Instagram, then we can get, you know, maybe a hundred followers. And that seems pretty good, but I don't really know what a normal way to quantify these things is. No, I totally get it. I mean, it's a tough one. Like, how do you put value on, you know, what is like the pound price for a follower? What's the pound price for someone signing up to your mailing list? Like we said at the beginning of lockdown, we, you know, we were thinking, this is going to be crazy. There's going to be no couriers. There's going to be no nothing. So swipe, you know, clear all other targets and goals and just put targets on followers and newsletter subscribers and how much content we put out per week, how many blogs we write. That's what genuinely in our crisis meeting we thought was going to happen. So I think it's quite nice to look from that perspective sometimes as well. Like if the value is just, yeah, on people or, um, like people coming to hang out with you in your business. Mm. That's ace. I think we've as well, like we've made a decision. We want to scale the business up and, you know, to, to do that, the, the, it's not the easiest ways, but the ways to do that are through social media or through engagement with people. And, you know, there obviously is a cost associated with that. And I think the cost, which probably most people who don't run a business probably won't know is that, the cost of that engagement is a lot higher than you expect. And 
you know, as you probably experienced, whether it is the fact that you have to employ someone to full-time run an Instagram account, to, to respond to messages, to do all that kind of stuff. You know, that's, that's quite a high cost. And I think from, for us, from the start, we have known that we want to scale Dream, you know, not to be the world's biggest fashion re- retailer, but to be a big business. That cost is going to come at some point. So, you know, you just have to probably prepare for it and, and, and start incurring it and then figuring out how to earn the money to cover it elsewhere because you need to get people to get scale i think we've talked about this in some of the coffees we've had like people always talk about the top of the funnel and really it is all about how many people from an online business perspective certainly do you put in the top of the funnel and then your experience will convert them and the quality of your product will convert them but if you're not putting people in the top of that funnel you know you're not going to grow I'm an accountant, Scottish farmer accountant. So I hate speculating. I hate, I hate investing. I hate all of that. But I'm like, this is one of the areas where I can actually see it. We were discussing on a a call just before this that you know, paid ads is an absolute minefield. And you know, I don't know if you do it either, but we don't properly do it. Like Kat said, we're all organic. At some stage, we're going to have to do paid ads. But again, people I don't think will realize you can absolutely hemorrhage money on paid ads. Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all about, you know, using that money wisely. And with, with ads, I think you can chuck thousands of pounds, but if it's a, if it's a rubbish ad, like what a waste of money. It's, it's, it's the thing as well for you. Your, your product cost is, say, you know, for your wholesale coffee is, you know, 10 to 20 quid per bag. Um, you know, whereas obviously for, not wholesale costs, sorry, retail costs, whereas our price point's slightly higher from a retail point of view. And it's, you know, it's again, taking that into account, you know, how many, you know, how do you cover the cost of that bag if it takes 30 quid to acquire a customer? You know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a calculation always, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think it's probably something we've not really managed to get right as well, to be fair. I was chatting to Will and Andrew earlier about the changing of the guards, I suppose, that ASOS buying Topshop and Boohoo buying a bunch of other outlets. And it gets me really curious about the future of the high street. I wonder if you guys had a vision of what you think Princess Street might look like in kind of 10 years' time. Mm. I mean, like, we are absolutely on the same page, Harris and I, that physical retail is in no way dead. I think there's a, a vision of that, that is dying or maybe has already is dead and gone. There is an absolute blasting light at the end of the tunnel that I feel like we're currently in and it's the experiential retail and it's just like taking a minute, considering it um, and making it worthwhile for the customer. Like going back to basics, like going back to how shopping used to be, you know, honoring your customer, giving them everything they could possibly need when they're in your space. that I feel is shooting forward. The look of Princess Street, I mean, dreamland for me, obviously spending time and working in retail in Asia, I'm like, there is so much potential. It could be an absolute hub shopping extravaganza destination. We could have bars on the top, we could have hotels, we could have shopping malls, all this stuff. I'm not sure if that's gonna happen. So honestly, I'm like, 
I, I'll speak to anyone who will listen. And if you have any listeners who are billionaires, I'm like, <laughs> give, give me the money and we'll change Princess Street into, you know, it's probably one of the most iconic streets in the world. Um, one of the best views you could have in the world. It is absolutely right for boutique hotels, for cafes, um, for bars, for experiential retail, for pedestrianization. You know, Princess Street is, I think, potentially one of the worst shopping streets you will find anywhere in the world. Yet it has potentially you know, one of the best views in the world. And for me, that is just absolute madness. It's another, you know, we... we, we we talk about fast fashion in the business to a certain extent. It is an outcome of, you know, rent skyrocketing, companies needing to try and, you know, figure things out. Like you've got Poundland who've gone in on Prince Street and you're like, 10 years ago, if we had had this, you wouldn't have thought there would be a Poundland on Prince Street. And I just think that, that whole model needs flipped. People have got a bit greedy on the rental side thinking, mm. you know, we can print money here. It's, from an Edinburgh Council point of view, I think they need to turn around and say, we have a vision for what Princess Street should look like. And it should look like this. And mm. it, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love Princess Street. We, we obviously lived in Hong Kong, Shanghai. We got to travel on Asia. They do stuff to take advantage of their best features. I just feel... Yeah, it's, and this is not, not to say that, that it, I definitely don't think it should be like elite in any way. I don't think, I no. mean, I think what we're saying sounds that way because it's such a stretch from what it is right now. Every potential is there. None of the walls would need to change, none of the entrances would need to change, none of the windows. All that stuff would just stay the same. It would just be like a lick of paint and change the sign above the door. And it could literally, it's like a shop owner taking over or a business owner taking over a new space. Yeah. <clears throat> you can, can transform something in a minute when you decide the color you want to do and the lights you want to have and all that so i don't know if it would take that much but i think if it was a cool approachable space and the festival was involved and it just really honored that i mean that wide big street with the castle right in front of it is i mean it's like a haven for for, for retail i completely agree uh, it really does feel like it's you know, wouldn't take much to transform it when you look at the history and the culture and the landscape that it sits in already. Uh, we've got a coffee shop just off George Street, which to me growing up was always this super high-end street that was almost vibrant and full of life. And, it, you know, it may have been changing for a while, but the pandemic has certainly changed it quicker, I feel. And it's kind of put into focus for me just how much the centre of town is now becoming really a destination for shoppers to seek out rather than a guaranteed footfall location. Now that that's a shopping concept that's really been flipped on its head since we opened seven years ago. And I'm I'm hopeful like you guys that this can recover. And I think that's where it needs I totally agree with you. I think that's where it needs that whatever that identity is, it's a very thin, almost invisible thread just connecting them together. And I guess what's connected it together is tourists come to this location. People know it is the center. I go out on a night out here. Like it's quite they're tight, but it's also quite loose kind of connections. Um, and you just rely on it. It's the city centre. Everybody knows what going into town means. Um, so it's just sort of that. But it's, I, I do agree with you. Like the community aspect is, that's a huge takeaway and a massive, I mean, monumental silver lining from lockdown has been how that has just shone through regardless of what's happening in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and been like, a bit of a saving grace for for everyone for businesses for the people shopping in their local community 
I, I would honestly say 95% of our local customers who were coming in um, when we were open between the two lockdowns were, you know, celebrating, and then I found this, and then I went there, and I didn't know that was on my doorstep, and now I shop here, and this is my new favorite milk brand, and all this stuff that they've just found from, you know, bringing it in and, and putting almost like a fence around their little bubble. So totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I think as well, like, you know, again, coming from a finance background, things are very cyclical. So um, Princess Street obviously has maybe had its time in George Street and rents escalated and, you know, everyone wanted to be there. Now that nobody wants to be there, rents will start to come down. You know, Karen Gordon Coffee, for example, could say, you know, I, I remember that Starbucks on the corner of George Street, which is now empty. And it's like, you know, you could look at that unit. Months. Yeah, exactly. it's been empty yeah, for probably 18 months. And you're like, I could take a punt on that unit if, if the guy's going to rent it to me for cheap. And I, I think you will never lose the tourist footfall with Princess Street and George Street. Mm. And that, to a certain extent, props it up slightly. But I, I think coronavirus has absolutely sledgehammered that. Um, you know, to the extent you walk along George Street today and, you know, there's, there's pretty much to let signs up across most of the street. So I think, again, that will change that the rents will come down and people will move back in. But in the meantime, Stockbridge is popular. Leith is popular. You know, like all these new areas will probably pick up as well. And I feel this is an opportunity for like a cleanse. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's obviously this devastating for so many individuals, for so many businesses, um, but if they're, you know, I'm trying to think of the, the outcomes, like the silver linings here and looking at these areas, like if it was inevitable anyway, then anything that could jet us forward to the next step is going to be a positive outcome. I saw a great meme, um, <clears throat> which I think it could even be uh, photographed in Elgin, is uh, a picture of someone standing outside <clears throat> Shoe Zone being like, how on earth does Shoe Zone still exist? You know, we've had coronavirus and and you know i think that's what me you and kat are very very you know we all understand that businesses like shoe zone will not exist in a few years time because they don't really offer much that can't be offered online the future of physical retail is offering something that cannot be offered online and you know i think we're going to see that massively um, mm. you know, escalated over the next couple of years because of coronavirus. For sure. And those, you know, those businesses, maybe they didn't, their model changed somewhere along the line and they belong online. And that's actually yeah. better customer experience <laughs> to be on, on the line rather than to be physical. And I think it's just knowing that that's okay. Like <clears throat> seeing a business close doesn't mean, you know, un unless they literally vanish and that's it and they announce it who knows what's happening maybe they've had loads of investment to go to another country or something else but yeah it's just figuring out like who's right in what space and clearly princess street is having a, a bit of a moment but i mean shout out to you guys like you're i feel you're in the right place regardless i think it's going to be really cool for you to watch your customers change and alter and what are they going to be like post pandemic and are they going to be new as princess street changes and all that stuff like i feel that you have them regardless um, you're old school and then you're new, which will be quite exciting, I think. No, definitely. You used the word cleanse before, which I found very fitting. Uh, as a 
business we've been using this time to kind of look inwards and really think about reinventing ourselves and it's actually been quite therapeutic and allowed yeah. us to determine you know what works and what doesn't have you found that with Trine you've had to also use this time to kind of rethink anything oh my goodness like it's I have to keep thinking how to say this because it's obviously a, it's such an awful time I don't know ever ever when I would have ever 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 had this time to think to have other calls with people in the middle of the day to I don't know just to imagine and I mean I guess like even have like, turning something off to have the time like obviously every piece of individual communication with our customers was so heightened during lockdown because we were all just on edge um and so yeah i mean it's been it's been a great time I totally agree with you it's really made us like step back and just when we we've known our goals from day one but it's you get lost in the blur of everything that's going on every day like we opened a store during the pandemic <laughs> like we we moved from pop-up to flagship all this stuff that's happened it's like taking the time even to just celebrate that and recognize that that actually did happen in a small space of time and then thinking okay i'm presented with this opportunity of time what are we going to do with it definitely not going to wallow so like what's up what's happening what else could we do can we take on anything else right now um you know the team's still working what can they do we had one of our team members illustrate she's an amazing artist she did illustrations of our of our store which you know went out in a blog post and everybody absolutely loved that it's i just, saw those i did zoom in really close to see if it was real or not i know you're proper with the double zooming in with the finger um but just i think the best thing has been like thinking outside of the box with the pandemic our first meeting was how can we be different what can we do and we the key note was we need to be a place of escapism for people to come and hang out regardless of what is going on in their life and however this is impacting them that can be kind of that response that really positive and that taught a lot and helped us understand these threads need to stay really consistent pandemic or, or regular life going forward um but yeah it's been a great time to just take stock and and think about what's next cool that you guys are doing the same yeah no love that um right i don't want to take up any more of your time because harris looks like so bored i'm not <laughs> oh, he's engaged face you know i was just actually thinking right now is i'm super excited to hear the potential jingle that you you guys could put together for this podcast well so so the gen have got a bit of a back catalog to to kind of uh, pick and choose so we're, we're sweet yeah exactly. it's, uh, it's like it's like 15 years ago we foresaw that we were going to need some original music for you know royalty free music and <laughs> i dedicated my life to that for like 10 years yeah. and it came to nothing so that's sweet um <laughs> cool um, would you be where you are today if you hadn't done that because oh, you know philosophical um, probably <laughs> yeah i know massively uh, okay I, I, yeah okay listen guys um how where would you like to direct everyone to where can they uh, find you guys where can they buy stuff yeah so our website is shoptreen.com you can find us there anything you need in the bottom right hand corner there's a little 
paper airplane. So if you click on that, it will send us a direct message and we can help you with anything that you guys need. And our Instagram is at shoptreen underscore. You can find us there, shoot us a DM. We love, like I said already, we love chatting with our community on there all day, every day. So have lots of fun on there. That's where you can find us. Fantastic. Right. Um, well, before you go, I suppose we better just check um, an important question. Do you guys think we're going to hit our target? One billion percent. What? That's pretty lucky. Could have got a bit awkward there at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I believe in you guys. You can do this. Yeah, I agree. I think setting yourself a target is the first step to hitting the target, isn't it? True. So, yeah. True. I think you've probably never thought of it before. And now you're like, oh, right, we can probably do that. Very, very true. Well, thank you so much for coming to have a chat with us. Some fascinating insights that I'm sure all of our listeners are going to be very interested to hear. Um, let's hope uh, now that we can catch up soon and you know have a beer at some point in the Six Nations. Yeah, for sure. Maybe sometime in the next year. Not far away. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we'd love to hang out. So, did you did you guys think I was literally only going to chat to you on this podcast? Yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty awkward. I thought that would be enough. What else could yeah. you want? And what else could you possibly want? Oh, that's pretty pretty cringe. When you've got the two big oh, dogs. <laughs> well, I I must say I think they were a couple of legends. Um, have you have you guys been to Trine yet? No, I haven't actually. No, I've I've, I've passed it during lockdown. Well, well, I think yeah, well, no, you'd absolutely love it. It's stop reaches, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, couldn't be more yeah, up for straight. Yeah, you can eat it close. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Gil's on the keto diet, so he only exclusively <laughs> eats meat. meat so that's, you know, he'll be chucked out the front door. But <laughs> Anyway, so we, we have a goal set. Are we feeling confident about this um, challenge? I reckon you'll get them all done in one week, mate, to be honest with you gonna have to sack this podcast off next week so you think we'll hit fifteen thousand followers by by next week yeah yeah probably yeah probably yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> focus on uh first facebook next week shall we Fair play. Uh, yeah. why not yeah yeah probably yeah i was, I was actually yeah, I, should do the I was trying to think um about like the best forms of exposure um and like i was thinking about you know you see those like bus adverts where they say uh, this is seen by ten thousand people a day, and you're like, oh, "That's don't do that. That's pretty good. Don't do that. Is that from experience? Yeah, don't. Okay, fair. Well, I was going to say historically, I would argue that probably the best exposure is product placement on TV, um, but mm. that may be kind of misguided now. I don't know how. I mean, do you think that's still relevant? I think product pl- placement. Um is like an endorsement really isn't it so i mean uh it it definitely would work for brand awareness yeah for yeah. sure i i of interest have, have either of you guys been on tv <laughs> uh, uh, yes for uh, for a good 15 seconds yes have you yes, oh no tell tell us a bit more about that will i've forgotten that you were on tv that was yeah tell me have you been on tv that. i can't imagine. Are you joking? Has he been on TV? I, I thought you couldn't remember, Robbie. I thought you didn't know. Sorry, man. Have you been on TV? Just said you didn't know. <laughs> when were you on TV? Let, let me think. Uh, kind of know. Uh, 2000, 2000, beginning of 2016. Mastermind. 
Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mastermind. I thought I recognised you from somewhere, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about it. Tell uh... us about it. <laughs> the people <laughs> want to hear more about this. What, dinner date? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was... Yeah, tell us about dinner date and you getting picked. Not, not much to tell. Not much to tell. It was essentially, it was, it was like I got off the plane from uh, being in London uh, for three days of drinking and I, did, yeah, I wasn't very good. You can see me. I look hungover and I don't look very well. And I'm like, yeah, I'm well, I'm well looking for someone to come around the vineyards with me. <laughs> <laughs> can you? Can you? Can you tell me a bit about what the what was on you? Because obviously on dinner day, um, for those who haven't seen it, you have to um, come up with, with a name for or come up with a menu, and then people pick the uh, if they want to go on a date with you based on the menu. So what what were the names of the food that you had on your menu? Oh God, I can't remember. They the producers make it up. It's oh, like... I I can I can. <laughs> oh, I I thought you didn't know I'd been on TV. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Oh, I think research. I think one of them was um, two two contango uh, roast chicken or something. <laughs> oh God, I don't even know. It takes I, two to tango. Oh yeah, it was some sorbet. Uh, oh God, I don't know. No, no, go back to the two to tango roast chicken. I know, but you don't. Was, I mean, they 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 generally do that. The producers put the uh, it takes. I don't believe that. <laughs> That's it's hundred percent true. <laughs> that is, they uh, they're like. Uh, I still got the messages on my phone where you were like, uh, Guild, what do you think about Tango Chicken? <laughs> hey, did you not put a poll up in like a WhatsApp group? Like, do people think it should be Tango Chicken or <laughs> me and my bird's chicken? Definitely did not. Definitely did not. But I tell you what I did do. Like, when we got off, uh, me and Callum Addison got off the plane, uh, I was so hungover. And I, before the camera crew arrived, uh, I like next some whiskey to try and make myself feel better. I just, oh my just God. yeah, yeah just, really. No. I thought you squeezed in <laughs> a game of cricket. Yeah. Uh, like you, oh, you're remembering yeah. now. Oh, now you remember. <laughs> Explain that. Uh, you're, you're in a full cricket. Because, uh, they were like, you can't wear a jumper with a logo on it, and uh, I didn't have anything clean, and I was swung over slash slightly drunk from the whiskey I just done. Um, so it's like, right, swear this. <laughs> And uh, then we had to go to, what's it called? That cheese and wine place in Stockbridge? Smith and, Smith and Gertrude. Smith and Gertrude. They let me, uh, let, let me film in the cellar. And uh, it's me holding a thing of wine like that, pretending. Oh, to... I, I'm like, I'm like, I oh. wondered where that was, actually. Yeah. I have tried so hard to find a clip of that online. I cannot tell you how long I spent trying to find that. But I think you used to have a DVD of it. It's on quite a lot, mate. About you need to tell me when it's next my, on, because uh, I will literally get my, my slacks on, sit down with a nice Negroni, get the candles lit, and you know, just, I, uh, just enjoy. That's horrendous. Uh, my sister sent me, uh, I think it was last year, just a clip. She was like, oh, look what's on. Okay, well, um, we'll use that as an opportunity to wrap things up. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, we still have a bunch of coffees, including our lockdown coffee available on our website. And that is www.cairngorm.coffee. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that on the contact part of our website. Um, or you can email directly at hi at cairngormcoffee.com. So we'll look forward to catching up next week and letting you know how the experiment goes. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.